content marketing can be one of the most efficient ways for a founder of a startup company to drive their business forward. It's authentic, it's engaging, and it can be a whole lot cheaper than traditional advertising. In today's episode, we talk with Kelly about the best ways to really hone your content marketing strategy, how you engage an audience, and building content funnels. I'm Jared Doyle, and this is the Fractal Podcast, where we bring the marketing experts from all around the world to you and ask them advice, tips, tricks, and the things that you can do to drive your business forward. Welcome to this week's show. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode. This week, we're privileged to be joined by Kelly J. Duggan, who is someone who I've had the privilege of working with about 18 months ago. We worked on an FMCG brand called Perky together. And since then, Kelly's gone on to really carve out a niche as, in my opinion, a brand and content marketing guru, especially around the health FMCG sector. So today we're going to be talking about content and specifically content around social media and picking Kelly's brain to help you with your businesses and how you can use content more strategically. So Kelly, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Not a problem. So we're going to jump straight in. And because we're talking to founders and owners of small businesses, the way we always kick off is, you know, you've got experience now working with some pretty big brands with some decent budgets. And that can be a little bit intimidating if you're a founder and they're sort of coming up against you with, you know, a bit more money for better cameras, et cetera. So what I want to know is, do you have any tips of how someone who's a founder of a startup or a small business can compete in content marketing? What, what kind of advantages can they have over the larger corporates who have got understandably much larger budgets? Absolutely. Well, I think what, uh, so I work at, at Metagenics. I look after inner health and ethical nutrients, our, our retail brands. And I think what makes us a little bit different to some of the other pharmaceutical companies is that instead of outsourcing our content, we actually produce it all in-house. So we like to, we're a bit different to traditional pharma in that we have the ability to, to work a little bit more agile and we're able to produce content really fast under small budgets, which is something that's very, I guess, attainable and possible for, for someone like a, a founder that, that doesn't have the big budgets. That's a good, that's a good idea. So so if I'm thinking about a corporate that may be you know, sending stuff off to studio and agencies and getting stuff, the turnaround time can be quite slow. So as a founder, I've got that capacity to produce content in-house, which means speed to market is going to be one of my competitive advantages. It makes a lot of sense. I think it's a good strategy. And actually, it's interesting that you've incorporated that kind of nimble strategy into a much larger company. Are you, do you think that's a trend that's happening more and more, that larger companies are starting to be a bit more nimble and bringing their content production in-house? Or is that something unique that you bring to the table? Well, I mean, I think it really kind of is reflective of the way that social media is is moving towards at the moment. So traditionally, you know, that Facebook has been more of a text-based platform designed for desktop, but we're now moving towards uh, a platform which is truly mobile first. With the advent of, of features like the Stories feature on Instagram uh, and, and Facebook, it's really all about having that moment marketing. So being able to capture in-the-moment experiences and, you know, you obviously capture a lot of in-the-moment experiences from your mobile device. So really, we're able, you know, to use our mobile to, to drive a lot of this mobile-first content. 
That's interesting. And I think that links back to you sort of saying about building your own studio or having your own studio. I mean, what's the kind of minimum equipment or what, what kind of setup would you be recommending people get? I mean, you spoke about a phone, so I'm guessing that's the benefit. We've got these super cameras now in our pockets. I'm guessing you can produce the content with your phone. What, what else would you be adding to that mix? Absolutely. And the thing is, is we've got a lot of technology built around mobile devices as well. So you can buy, you can, you can buy gimbals for your mobile phone so that you can have really smooth, smooth content and really high quality content. So my advice. I'm going to be ignorant here. What what was that? A gimbal? A gimbal. Yeah. So it's a gimbal. (laughs) A gimbal is, it's, it's kind of a device which allows you to hold the phone and it gives you a steady shot. So you traditionally gimbals are for, you know, a video camera. Yeah, but, um, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. Now. I've seen them advertised on Facebook. They're those twisty hand things that allow you to sort of move your hand around, but the camera still stays still. Exactly. Yeah. So you've gotcha. got gimbals. You've also got your selfie stick. So, uh, for instance, uh, a big thing that we're moving towards is is really looking internally at our experts and how we can tell our brand stories for our brands through our internal exp- experts. So, you know, whether that's, you know, uh, off-the-cuff interviews with with uh, in a science lab with with some of our technical experts, or whether that's with our our team of naturopaths who you know have have great knowledge and running uh, an impromptu uh, like FAQ on Facebook Live or Instagram Live, and and really doing those really off-the-cuff in the moment experiences using your internal resources and and that wisdom. And being able to create really, really value-add opportunities to, to talk to your, your consumers, ask them what they want, what they want, you know, to hear, and, and being able to answer that in real time. Do you find it hard to convince those experts to come on? Like, I always find getting someone to come on a podcast is hard, let alone filming them. Do you, do you still have to manipulate them or do you just turn up with a camera and go, <laughs> action? Well, the nature of working at a company like Metagenics, where a lot of our staff are naturopaths and they're very passionate about spreading their, their healthy lifestyle messaging, they're, you know, they, they have a wealth of knowledge that, and they're really passionate about the role that, you know, that vitamins and minerals can contribute to a healthier lifestyle and as a bit of a preventative kind of health uh, method, really. So they have messages that they want to send. So they're more than happy to, to jump in front of the camera and and tell their stories and, and spread their wisdom. Fantastic. I guess, that, yeah, then that's the benefit of working for a business where it's operating to a higher purpose. You know, people are in there for a reason above and beyond just a job and a paycheck. They're in there because they're exactly. driving towards some, yeah, ultimate goal. Makes a lot of sense. That's right. And passionate people as well always make the best content. So Anyone that's passionate, you know, you've got a bit, you know, no one's more passionate than, than the founder. So even using yourself as, as the content, as the expert and, you know, bringing that, that passion through, is, it makes for engaging content for an audience. Fantastic advice. So I'm curious, maybe touching on things that go a little bit wrong that you see out there in the marketplace. What are some of the, like the misconceptions or maybe even mistakes that you see people doing with their content marketing when they go live with it? Is there I don't have to give examples, but, but what are you seeing that people are sort of going about content marketing in the wrong way? I think definitely spruiking your product too much. I think when it comes to content, it really comes to being, you know, adding some kind of value. And I think, you know, sometimes it's it's more about uh, thinking about what the customer is, is actually going to find useful, you know, that has some kind of tangible benefit. And, you know, there's ways to to 
close the loop and work your product in somewhere. But definitely, you know, not having a product first approach and really coming from a consumer centric value add approach. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. You do see it all the time, don't you? Um, recruitment agents are particularly bad at this. Like the only content they can produce is we've got a job to fill. You know, it's kind of, and then you see one or two recruitment agents who really get it right and they provide value add, and all of a sudden it's like, well, their business takes off. So, no, I think that's I think that's really sound advice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In terms of what's sort of hot right now, I mean, you mentioned stories on Instagram as, as one particular area that's becoming particularly hot. Are there other areas for content marketing that you see uh, sort of starting to take off and people should be focusing on, on 20, in, during 2019? Well, I think if you look at, the, if, at social media in the world of so, social media, it's getting increasingly cluttered. There's so many different marketing messages and it's getting harder and harder to cut through. So I think for that reason, when, when you've got brands and products competing for people's attention, a one-size-fits-all approach never works. So it's really about knowing who you're talking to and creating you know, audience-specific me- messaging and delivering relevant, interestingly, and timely content for that individual. You know, people, people want to be treated as individuals, not demographics these days. So knowing your audience, knowing what your audience wants and be, being able to deliver that right content at the right time for the right person is, is really important, more important than ever. Right. So that advice really is about thinking about the messaging, the time of the person, much more than the channel and the tactics. Yeah. Right. So, so personalization is a big, a big, big focus for 2019 with content marketing. Definitely, definitely. And I think it's also about thinking about what the right channel is at the right time and the right message for that channel. So delivering, delivering targeted content, not only for that consumer, but, but for that channel, built for that channel. There's, you, you, you can't have a one-size-fits-all across all the channels as well. So really understanding you know, which channels sit at different parts of the, of the funnel as well and really, really designing content specifically for that channel and that audience at that right time. Yeah, so actually taking the time to produce even the same core content but differently for different channels makes a lot of sense. And I guess it, you know, it is a logical process. I'm keen to explore a little bit more and you were talking about timing, the delivering the right message at the right time. Content marketing for a lot of people has been a case of like write a blog post, stick it up there. So when you talk about timing, how, how exactly do you get content to the right people at the right time? I think it comes down to really understanding where in the funnel they are going to be interacting with this content. For instance, a lot of the time, an article that kind of sits around, you know, the, the consideration part of the, of the funnel. So, uh, and it, it can also be used for, for qualifying audience as well, just, uh, you know, in, in the top of funnel as well. So it's about how you understand where they are sitting at the funnel at the time and I guess designing and considering that content to serve that purpose and whether that's, you know, remarketing content particularly. So if you're, you're nurturing these audiences and, and maybe, you know, if you look at their, their consumer timeline, their customer, their journey, understanding what content, you know, they've previously seen, how they're interacting, whether they're, you know, engaging with the content and then serving relevant content at the right times to, to push them further down that funnel. So, for instance, maybe they've read your article, uh, so you've qualified them as someone who, for, for, 
for instance, uh, let's talk about magnesium. Uh, so ethical nutrients, magnesium is, is one of our big hero ingredients. So you've, you've, uh, you've written an article about, uh, you know, 10 reasons why you might not might be deficient in magnesium. Right. And, so and that, that article might be top of the funnel. So we're talking awareness exactly. So we're talking Exactly. So we're talking top of the funnel. So we've qualified that audience as someone who's interested in, you know, magnesium, the ingredient, perhaps there's some kind of, uh, you know, user need state that they do have. And then what we do is, um, you know, we really build out, uh, I guess, sequential content from that. So perhaps after the pixel is fired on your web page, they've read the magnesium article, perhaps then you can add them to a custom audience which retargets them with something to, to push them a little further. So, so maybe you've, you've established a need, you know, they need magnesium. And so you can then target with maybe a bit more product-related content. So, you know, about a magnesium, you know, for instance, the ethical nutrients magnesium, which is bioavailable. So it is, you know, you get more bang for buck. And it's really about, you know, uh, telling that quality story then. And, and selling, you know, giving them that, that, that reason to believe. So that's interesting. And that ties in beautifully with what you were saying about not leading with all your products. So exactly. if you're following through that funnel and it's got three or four different phases, the actual product content doesn't appear until you're right down at that conversion end. And actually what, that's at that right. stage, that's when you're making the sale. So Exactly, yeah. And so maybe from that sequentially, so, okay, they now know that, you know, mag, uh, ethical nutrients has, has a really high quality man- magnesium product. And then perhaps they then, you know, are targeted with something to push them a little further down the funnel. So whether it's a free trial, so, you know, a 10-day free trial of a product, or maybe it's a bit of testimonial content, you know, why other people, you know, love and, and swear by their that magnesium. So really breaking down all the different parts of that customer journey and that funnel and delivering the right content at the right time sequentially to, to really, really push them through the funnel and, and down to conversion. Fantastic. And you're using a lot of sort of Facebook terms, like the pixels and retargeting audiences there, which make a lot of sense because and that's what, as a marketer, Facebook is so great at. They've given us this arsenal of tools that allow us to create funnels in their ecosystem between Facebook and Instagram. I'm curious, about some of the other platforms out there, are there other channels that you're finding at the moment that are starting to maybe smaller, less lesser known channels that you're starting to find are working for content marketing as well? For content marketing, I think there's a lot of opportunity at the moment with with video content. So it's something that we're we're looking we're looking uh, further towards, but definitely co- specific content series as well. So we've got IGTV, Instagram Tech TV, which was recently launched uh, last year, and that's content that is is filmed in in portrait as well. So it's vertical content. So I think definitely looking towards more of the the mobile first vertical content and. Being a first mover, I think when it comes to new new channels, new formats, it's it's there's obviously lots of benefit in being that first mover. So so definitely, I think there's a lot of opportunity as we move towards more mobile first formats, like for instance stories, like IGTV. I think uh, there's lots of opportunities to jump on board, be a first mover, and really get that first mover benefit. Yeah, you do, don't you? Because it's new and exciting, and at the same time, you know the platform's probably pushing it in the hope that it works. Yeah, I've seen the same thing with Facebook Live. You know, Facebook's still trying to push live, and it, I mean it's working. But you get that extra organic boost that you wouldn't normally have got. Where if, you, if you're pushing 
older styles that they've kind of bedded into their advertising ecosystem, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a struggle. So yeah, I think Facebook Live, you know, Instagram Stories, Instagram TV, these are the kind of things that are relatively new. So it kind of makes sense to focus your attention on that. That's great advice. Definitely. And I think, I think you know, a lot of the traditional brands is, still haven't really moved into that vertical viewing format. So there's still lots of opportunity. Is that because the sort of old school agencies are still filming with, you know, landscape cameras and they don't want to change their ways for the newfangled Gen Xs? Not Gen X, that's not even new, is it? What are we up to now? <laughs> You've probably got a better idea than me. Listen to me, Gen X is, I think I'm Gen yeah. X. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're now, what, what's after the millennials? We've got, like, I don't even know. I can't remember. I, do, I should Ed, know that. Does Z come before or after? ZY? Is it X? No. Generation Y? No. Could be up to that. Hmm. Oh, well, we're, we're, whatever happens, we're Generation about to Z. We'll be back to, no, we'll back to Generation A <laughs> soon before we know it will start again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So one of the goals for me with the podcast is to give super actionable tips and tricks from people. You know, so... Big strategies are great and, and we work towards them. I'm wondering if there's a, um, a trick that you think someone could apply for content marketing, something so fairly simple they could apply today or tomorrow and it might make a difference for their business. I think once again, you know, just going back to what we were talking about, the, the vertical viewing format and how you said, you know, a lot of the agencies are still filming in that in that very traditional landscape format. People, you know, such as as founders and startups, they have a real opportunity to own that vertical viewing format because you don't need the big budgets for that. You know? And and you don't it's very it's very low fi. Low fi and on the fly. And I think really <laughs> yeah. Low fi and on the fly. And and I think it's perfect if you if you really really own that space and really work on creating really engaging and real and personable and authentic vertical content, that is definitely a way to be a lot more competitive against some of the bigger brands that have the bigger budgets but aren't necessarily taking full advantage of the way that that content is moving and that is more lo-fi and on the fly. And, and do you think the consumer is now more forgiving? If you're real, if you're honest, if you're lo-fi and on the fly, do you think the consumer generally forgives a little bit of sloppiness, you know, maybe a little bit of camera movement, a little bit of out of focus, so a couple of ums and buts and ahs here and there? Because I guess that's the advantage, right? Absolutely. Well, in the wake of all the data breaches and the political controversy, you know, with, with the Cambridge Analytica scandals and, and Facebook really moving towards this transparency, I think this shift has meant people are more skeptical about marketing messages and I think the the relevance of really authentic and real content that isn't polished is is just so much more important right now and I think users are really uh, you know really really trusting that authentic unpolished approach particularly because it is a virtual world right most of the time you know the people listening to this are probably going to be conducting some form of online commerce or transaction so it is virtual so you don't get that walk in to get to meet the owner so i guess if you're out there you're creating that real feel that maybe it didn't so maybe the big trick is to not try to act big not try to sort of polish everything up and pretend like you're some great company i mean if you're a company of one person maybe rather than writing all your faqs with we or at our company, we like to think that and just be real and say, hey, it's me. I'm one person. This is what I do. And it might actually cut through a bit more. So Absol- yeah, I like Absolutely. It. Yeah. I think more than ever, you know, we need, you know, as brands, we need to be more real and authentic to, to rebuild trust really 
Mm. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big part. So no, that's great advice. So content building trust, authenticity, and yeah, go lo-fi, and 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 it probably actually becomes more authentic. So I think that's fantastic. Look, this is a hard question, I know, but content marketing has a habit of not being measured against results. It's kind of, well, we do it because we think we have to, everyone else does it. And then historically, the one thing that everyone measured, measured social content was likes. I'm curious to know, what are the kind of metrics that you pay attention to for your content marketing and when you want to measure success? I think it really comes down to, you know, how we talked about earlier, creating content with purpose. So when we're creating content, we're creating content in mind for the right demographic, for the right audience, for the right channel, uh, but also for the right objective. So, and the right objective digitally. So a lot of the content that we do is, is our social content. So we'll already have in mind our Facebook advertising objective when we're, we're building out that content, whether that's going to be, you know, an engagement piece or a conversational piece or, or whether, whether, you know, we, we want to, get shares, whether, whether we want. Makes, it makes a lot of sense. You know, it is, it's KPIs for, for objectives. And, you know, at the end of the funnel, nice and easy, right? We put a sale at the end or whatever the, the ultimate conversion is. But at that top end, you know, I think awareness is, is about building that audience. If we're thinking of the content funnel, then the awareness piece is, is reach and branding. But building that audience, that means we can actually hit that next level of the funnel. I guess that's the key objective, right? And as we know, you know, engagement drives extra reach on most of the social channels. So, you know, those engagement metrics that we previously poo-pooed and sort of said, you know, likes don't really count. Well, do you know what? A like, if a like just gives us a little bit more reach and the reach gives us more audience and that audience can be retargeted, then we're probably on the right track. Exactly. So, so exactly. So if the objective you, you have in mind is you want engagement, you want likes, you, you want to, you want to start a conversation or you want to start a conversation then the content that you create, you know, needs to lend itself, lend itself to that. It needs to be conversational content. So we always design content with, with our objective, our digital objective in mind. So if I'm a founder and I'm thinking content marketing is going to be one of the key things I want to do to drive my business forward, how much of my budget should, I mean, I guess it's an, it could be any amount, but how much of my budget should be spent on making the content versus all the time spent making the content versus promoting it. Do you, do you have ratios or, do you, or is it really a horses for courses kind of thing? Well, I think, you know, there's no point creating an amazing piece of content if you don't have the distribution to allow it to actually be seen and enjoyed. So I think you need probably more of a budget for the, the, the advertising and distribution piece than you do for the actual content. Yep. No, I think that's really good advice. I think you know, if you build it and no one sees it, did you even build it? You know, What's the point? Kind of, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think we've reached a stage now with with social that you, you kind of have to put money behind it. I think very few of us, particularly brands, have got the kind of sway that says if we produce this, it's going to get covered. So I guess for almost every bit of content, there has to be a little bit of a marketing and advertising budget behind it to get it going, get through that inertia. Definitely. And the more you can save on the content creation, especially if you can be doing that, you know, with your with your phone or with lo-fi devices and in a really low production way, with, while still, you know, producing some really engaging content, I think the more money you have to actually take that as far as you can is probably better spent. And there's so many different tools on the internet and you know apps that you can create content these days as well. So I think if you can save money in the content creation by doing it yourself, 
then you can put extra budget into, into allowing people to actually see that content. Fantastic. Well, I actually might take that as a cue for the last question I'm going to ask you. What what are the some of the what are some of the tools and, and things that you or online resources that you use or you'd recommend to founders if they're going to sort of take their content marketing and do it themselves? Are there some tools that you'd recommend that they um they check out? Definitely. I mean, I think you can't really look much further than Facebook's internal tools. So at the moment you have tools, you can create instant experiences, you can you can now create videos inside the, the Facebook advertising uh, platform. So really utilizing Facebook's free resources and tools internally in that platform. And a lot of the, the time they're, they're secret tools. So uh, having a look and, and, you know, just jumping in and, and having a go and uh, making use of of what Facebook is is giving us to, for free is is the best way to do it. So don't don't spend money on tools. Use what's no. there free. Then work Absolutely. out where you've got some gaps and, and maybe fill that in afterwards. Exactly. Yeah. And, definitely. Yeah. And do you use any um scheduling or scheduling tools that just pushing out the content at the right time, or do you push everything up by yourself manually at the time it needs to go live? There are a few tools I use. So I like to use the Facebook organic features. So I like to, to post in platform. I like to plan in platform. And I also like to make use of the creative hub where you can create mock-ups for, for different pieces of creative and, and really play around. But in terms of Instagram, you know, we, we for, for ethical nutrients, we, we love the whole idea of the design feed. Uh, Instagram is an intrinsically visual platform. So we like to design every single piece of content as a whole uh, to be as visually beautiful and uh, as well presented as possible. So there's a tool that I use called Sked Social and that allows us to, it's got a really great native uh, planner that you can you can design bits of content and see how everything's going to work stylistically and, and visually. So that's definitely a good one. And it's one of the few that posts straight to Instagram as well. So you can queue video content uh, and photo content through Instagram and you don't have to have a push to your mobile like a, a lot of the other platforms. So definitely Sked Social is the, the the one paid program that I do use. Fantastic. I, lo- I love the fact that you're kind of in there and it's like, I'm not going to use lots of tools. I'm going to get in and drive, drive it like a manual car. I want to yeah. control it and know that I'm doing it right. So that's awesome. So Kelly, if people are keen to kind of see your work in play and then kind of see how you do your content, are there um, company social handles or your social handles that they could follow that would represent your work? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got Inner Health, so Inner Health Probiotics, which is at Inner Health AU. We've got Ethical Nutrients, which is at Ethical Nutrients. And if you want some really cute dog content, then definitely at finley.fox, uh, finley with two N's, uh, as that is my, my little little Pomeranian and he's adorable. So we all love, we all love cute dogs. And, is it, and your Pomeranian, it, is, has it reached the magical 10,000 Instagram followers? It means you can swipe up now or are you still working towards that? Still working towards that. So <laughs> <laughs> any follows I can get to help Finley on his dream to, to 10K, then... So I welcome it. <laughs> That's it. You can, you can, you can be, it'll be, he'll be an influencer on, uh, on Instagram before we know it. That's Fantastic. right. Thanks so much, Kelly. Look, I really appreciate your time, your advice. I'm sure everyone's got a lot of tips and tricks out of that. Everyone who's heard it, you know, your action call now is jump in and follow Finlay and uh, <laughs> let's get to that 10,000. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
<laughs> Thanks a lot, Kelly. I, I look forward to following your dog, following your adventures, and hopefully bumping into you around the traps again soon. Thanks a lot for your time. Thanks, Jared. It's been a pleasure.